Hello, it's Matt and Becky here from Local Zero. Just a quick note to say before the episode starts that from April 2024, Local Zero will be looking for some new funding to keep it going. We never imagined when we started three years ago that we'd rack up tens of thousands of listens across 130 countries and with a website hosting over 80 episodes. We've also met and worked with some incredible people, including Chris Stark, Hannah Ritchie, Jim Ski, Hugo Tacom, and so many more. And we've been able to showcase so many amazing local climate initiatives from all over the UK and far beyond. But sadly, keeping the pod going costs money. If you or your organisation would like to partner up with the pod as we move into an exciting new chapter, then do reach out to us. You can contact us via our email, localzeropod at gmail.com. That's localzeropod at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can contact us on X, formerly Twitter, at localzeropod or on LinkedIn, direct to Matt Hannon or Rebecca Ford. Finally, to help us in our quest to secure funding, we want to hear positive stories from listeners about how the pod has influenced your life and your work. And we hope to do a very special episode on this too. So please help us continue the fight against climate change and bring local climate action to doorsteps across the world. Thanks for listening. Now back to the pod. Okay, we are in uh, Glasgow City Chambers. Uh, we are with um, uh, Gavin Slater, who's kindly made the time available. So Gavin, um, if you could possibly just let the listeners know exactly what your uh, title is and, and role with Glasgow City Council, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Glasgow's net zero plans. Yep, I am the Head of Sustainability at Glasgow City Council. That makes me responsible for just about everything and anything related to sustainability now. It's a, a role that's grown significantly in the last two years but ultimately what it's about is is taking Glasgow from where we are now towards our target of being net zero carbon by 2030. It also involves me running the Sustainable Glasgow Partnership as well as being responsible for a major European project called Ruggedized. What, what excites you most and, and COP being here, Glasgow is right at the forefront of everything going on. How is how is the buzz? You know, are you are you enjoying it? Are you, uh, are you finding that people are engaging and getting excited about it? And are you excited about all the action that's happening? Yeah, it's, it, it can't help but be exciting. You know, this is something that um, I've been working in Glasgow for the last decade, the last eleven years on this. So it's wonderful to see this turnaround where not only are we getting it um, as an organisation, but you know the people of Glasgow are firmly getting behind this. And we've done a lot of work over the last couple of years. We've launched our Glasgow Climate Plan. Um, and we've done a huge amount of consultation on that, which has involved the various sort of internet-based ways, but also we actually undertook a citizens' assembly where we spoke to many of the citizens in the, in the city abroad um, cross-section of citizens. And it was very interesting to hear how interested they were, but equally how little they knew about what we were doing. And it made it quite clear that um, we need to get better at communicating that and that's something we've been very active in the last, the last year or so. We've relaunched Sustainable Glasgow, we've launched the Sustainable Glasgow website to try and get as much of that information out to the public to let them see what's happening in the city because quite often when you look at um, some of the very effective measures around carbon and, and particularly around energy, they're often invisible. So you know, if you can see a solar array but if you put something in that's, that's really managing the efficiency of a building quite often that's invisible so it's important that we communicate that so actually having that sort of civilian interest is really really energizing and it really helps and COP26 has been actually a very welcome change from all of us sitting at home working it's given us the chance to get back out and engage 
not only within our own team, within our own organisation, but also with the public, not just in Glasgow, but across the world. So it's been tremendously exciting. So let me ask that, I guess, arguably the most important question here for Glasgow is, is what is Glasgow's net zero targets and ambitions? I mean, obviously, the target's kind of in the question, right? But what, what's the pathway there? What, what targets and benchmarks are we hoping to kind of reach? Yeah, so as you say, the target's there. It's net zero carbon by 2030. And, and that's a, an evolved um, ambition from where we've been in the past, where very much our efforts have been concentrated on mitigation. Now, as much as we are still concentrated on that mitigation, we're also very, very focused on adaptation as well. So our climate plan is probably the most broad spectrum of our plans. Um, but within that, there's still a lot of work to be done on that level of detail. So, you know, the, um, the various actions that we've got in the plan, one of them is to develop a, a detailed net zero um, route map, as you say. And that's, that's a technical study. We've already done phase one of that in terms of the scoping study to see where we are currently and where we need to get to. Uh, and phase two of that is, is really what we're planning to do in the next year um, to 18 months is to get that out and get the technical detail behind that. So what technologies are going to be in the mix mm -hmm. to get us to that net zero target? But very interestingly, it's, it's not about just technology. You know, it's about people as well. So the big challenges in Glasgow are really around heat and transport. Yep. That's where the majority of our emissions are still high. And um, we've done incredibly well in reducing our emissions. You know, we started recording our emissions from 2006 as our yep. baseline. And by 2019, we've reduced those by 41%. Yeah. Uh, but the majority of that is related to electricity consumption and generation. Is. So, I mean, it's, it's no surprise to hear you say that transport and, and heating are the biggest challenges for Glasgow. I think mm. that probably most cities around the UK would, would have the same sort of thing to say. I mean, what are you, what are you hoping to really sort of uh, push forward in those areas over the next decade where that's kind of where we need to see a lot of key action um have you got sort of some clear visions in place for what that could look like and um, and what sort of gets you out of bed in the morning in terms of the excitement of of getting going in that space yeah so we have a, a lot of ambition um so if maybe we start with heating for example um we are in the process of developing our local heat and energy efficiency strategy which is is very highly likely to become a statutory function under the scottish government um, and that is looking at key target areas in the city where we can deploy technologies. We have come some distance down the road with regards to district heating in the city. For the most part to date, that's been around gas, but we are now starting to see air source heat pumps as the source. We're doing a lot of work in relation to the river, so the potential to extract um, heat from the river, as well as to extract heat from the ground. And we're actually now starting to look at the potential for hydrogen and hydrogen heat networks as well. So there's a huge amount of um, excitement around that. And if you actually look at the Glasgow Green Print that we've just recently produced, there's a number of projects, including our, our Climate Neutral Innovation District and our Glasgow Recycling and Renewable Energy Centre, which is um, taking 90% of our waste and turning that into renewable electricity, but there's also a huge amount of heat in there. So how do we take that heat and distribute that amongst the city? So for me, um, it's very geeky, but district heating does excite me. I think it's a huge opportunity for Glasgow. I think we'd look to our Scandinavian friends who are so far along this road for various um, different reasons, you know, different pressures that they've had um, politically and geopolitically, but um, Glasgow can do that as well. And we've seen that district heating works. It's not quite there, there are still some challenges. The Scottish government's working on that in terms of regulation. But I think that's one of the things that excites me, you know, but that does, that's only um, helping with the provision of heat. There's still a lot of work to be done on Glasgow's built environment in terms of its ability to retain that heat and use it efficiently. And there's a lot of work there. We're just launching the, the um, energy retrofit at a regional level. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's going to look at the built environment in Glasgow as well and look, well, how do we retrofit those buildings in a way that makes them efficient and use heat efficiently, a low-carbon source of heat. Um, and that's going to be a challenge because, you know, a lot of that is um, social housing, which we have through our partnerships, a degree of control over it. But a lot of that is you know, privately owned. And that's another thing altogether. How do we get private owners to engage in this as well? So, you know, I think you're going to want to come in there. Well, well, I, I just wanted to pick up on on the retrofit part and, and, you know, the question around what maybe, like you were saying, what gets you up in the morning. I'm wondering what keeps you awake at night. And I think the retrofit in in... Glasgow, I was sitting through an interesting presentation last night, which pointed to how Glasgow, I think one in five households or one in five homes are tenement yeah. uh, in, in, in Glasgow, which are they're well over 100 years old and very hard to retrofit. So is this something that you've kind of been wrangling with as a, as a particularly difficult issue? There's obviously some exemplary schemes like Nidri Road in the south side, and they've taken eight flats and done some fantastic things. But what's, what's the plan on that front? Um, yeah, so Nidri Road's a good one. It's a great example. There's some really interesting work going on there. Um, but it's also coming at a significant cost. You know, it isn't a cheap solution. So the retrofit programme that we're about to undertake, the feasibility work that's, is going to look at that, it's going to have a lot of work to do. And that... You know, um, your listeners can't see, but there isn't a single hair on my head. And, you know, there are a lot of things that keep me up at night. And that, that built environment, it, you know, it, that really is a problem that we don't have the answer to yet. And we need to get there fairly quickly. Um, that tenemental stock, I mean, I live in a tenement, so I, I know what it's like. And it's it's a wonderful, beautiful building, but it does have those issues. Um, and, and, you know, try as we might, we don't quite have that answer yet. So there are planning issues around, you know, if we want to deploy heat pumps, for example, there's a lot of planning issues there that we need to get past. Obviously, the insulation um, is very difficult to retrofit as well in terms of encroaching on people's space. So it would be disingenuous to say that we have the answer, but what we do have is the um, momentum and the purpose to find those answers. So you know, working with colleagues in, in the University of Strathclyde and the University of Glasgow and various other different organisations and you know others in the region, I'm sure that we'll get to that point. So I want to pick up on, on a word you used earlier, which was partnerships. And, um, you know, you talked about the Sustainable Glasgow Initiative. And for me, one of the things that really excites me about that is just the partnerships that are developing and seeing, you know, the, the, the council working with industry, the university, businesses, community, social enterprises and so on. And you also talked about the work with citizens. I mean, is this, this level of collaboration and partnership work something that is new Um, and do you see this as being kind of critical to underpinning the ability to transition at the pace and scale that we need to? No it's not new we've been doing this for 10 years um, with varying degrees of success but yes it's absolutely critical and I think if you look at the Sustainable Glasgow Partnership as it is now it's probably in the best shape that it's been for a while we're actually seeing outputs from the, the partnership so what we did um, in the last couple of years is we kind of reprofiled how the partnership looks and underneath the board which is predominantly public sector, um, with the only private sector partner being Scottish Power Energy Networks, due to them having the, the majority of the energy network in the city. Um, we have four thematic hubs underneath that with the themes of heating and housing, green infrastructure and transport, greening the city and the green economy in the private sector. And those are chaired um, by different organisations. So two of them are chaired by my colleagues in the council, but the other two are chaired by the University of Strathclyde and Scottish Power Energy Networks. And we're seeing some really interesting things there because what those hubs have managed to do is they basically have the autonomy to bring on whichever partners they think can add value to that that Mm. hub. So if you look at the um, green economy and private sector hub, they've been hugely successful in creating our Sustainable Glasgow Charter, 
you know, we have the power to create policy, but then it's very difficult to get people to buy into that, come along with us on the journey. Um, and one of the big things that we need to do is, is work with SMEs um, and with big business in the city. And the Sustainable Glasgow Charter is a way for those um, SMEs and businesses to sign up and join us on that journey to trying to get to net zero carbon, but also to get more support from us through the various partners in the partnership. So you know, that's led by our partners at Scottish Power. Um, we've got already many signatories signing up to it, and we're going to follow that up through the um, Green Infrastructure and Transport Hub with a corporate mobility yeah. pack. So we're starting to produce these partnership agreements, which not only put in place um, some commitment, but also a monitoring and measurement package to make sure that those are actually taking action. So if, if there was one other sector that I would say gave heat a run for its money in terms of difficulty, it would be transport. And you've just mentioned it there. And often in Glasgow, you know, you, we, we hear um, big questions around, you know, uh, what's going to happen to the M8, you know, in terms of sort of arterial road. Uh, we've got a, a fantastic and an exciting new cycling strategy from, from Glasgow City Council. But ultimately, and living here for the last five years, which I have, it is a city very much like any other city in the UK, but very much a city which is addicted to the car. Um, I, I wanted to just get your your view on, you know, how we can unlock net zero um, through transportation in Glasgow and what the future might look like in, in 10 or so years. Yes, yeah, so you're absolutely right. We're working very hard at the moment um, to produce our Glasgow transport strategy. And, and within that, there is a commitment to reduce the amount of transport coming into the city by 30%. And that's private vehicle transport. Um, we're obviously working as well through our bus improvement partnership to look at the public transport offering as well and what can we do as a city to help improve that. If you've been walking about the city lately, um, you will have seen a number of electric buses running in mm -hmm. support of COP, really quick and, and clean, obviously. Um, there will be more of them in the city being delivered. And again, through the Sustainable Glasgow Partnership, Scottish Power have been um, funding some of the infrastructure to support that, putting the, the you know, considerable charges in place that need to do that. We've also been putting an electric vehicle charging network in the city, and we're now, you know, I think, over 200 chargers, rapidly approaching 300. We actually, just before COP, finished a new station just under the M8, under the Kingston Bridge, um, which will make much more of a noise about after COP. I think mm. it would be lost in some of the noise at the moment. But in there, you've got um, a number of 50 kilowatt chargers in the first 150 kilowatt charge on the city. So mm. the purpose of that is hopefully to start getting taxis onto electric vehicles as well so that they can charge very, very quickly and be back out on the road and they don't have any of that range anxiety. So that in some way is taking care of some of the emissions related to vehicles, but I think there's still a lot in terms of people's behaviour and the choices yeah, that they make absolutely. and personal transport. And if you look at the um, Spaces for People programme that we did through the pandemic and the next bikes that we've got in the city, which we now have the electric next bikes as well, um, given that Glasgow's a, a fairly hilly city, that's a big help so to a lot is, of us. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more people getting engaged in active travel. And obviously we have the challenges with the weather in Glasgow, but you know, we're not unique in that. There's many cities across the world that still cycle and still travel that way. So we have to look at sort of personal travel choices as well. And I think that corporate mobility pact that we're working on will also look at people's choices, but also how businesses support those choices. And what they do in terms of their commuting and their business travel yeah. as well. well so, you we're, know. we're opposite our employer, University of Strathclyde. I cycled here the other day. And I, I would say the two things that made the difference between me doing it or not doing it, one was a segregated cycle lane through Victoria Road, the um, you know across the south side, the south side cycleway. Um, and the second was that we had a cycle storage here, secure cycle storage and the ability to get changed and, and all the rest. So is this the kind of thing you're talking about from, from um, you know, it's, it's infrastructure, public infrastructure, Plus, with organisational yes. 
infrastructure or support. Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, I live in the south of the city and I cycle in and out every day. Um, and I'm very fortunate that Glasgow City Council made the decision to put the infrastructure in place to support us. So we have secure storage, we have showers to get changed, and it makes it very easy to make that choice to cycle in and out. So there is the need to have the right infrastructure, as you say, is to have that segregated cycleway. And, and, and you know, you see it more and more across the city. There's still work to be done, obviously, but that network's growing and there's a strategy to grow that network. Um, out from the city centre, but also for businesses to provide the facilities that people need. And that's not just with bikes as well. You know, if people are going to start using electric vehicles as well, businesses can't rely entirely on public sector infrastructure to do that. So there are there are many ways that businesses can put chargers into their own premises to make sure that the people travelling, if they need to, can stop there and travel and charge their vehicles as well. So looking forward 10 years, if if this is all successful, if we get everything right and it all works out, brilliantly. How do you see Glasgow being different? What will Glasgow look like in that 10 years time for us coming in and working in the city, for tourists coming in? How will it be different to today if if we get where we want to be? It's a, it's a really interesting question because I think Glasgow is a city with such tremendous character um, that there are many things about it you wouldn't want to change. But I think where there are challenges with congestion, um, where there are challenges with uh, people moving about, I think a lot of that will be alleviated. I think we'll have buildings that are warm when they need to be and cool when they need to be. Um, we'll be able to move about freely um, and make good choices to move about and people will generally be happier. I think there will be more people living in the city centre. Um, we'll see buildings repurposed where we'll have much more kind of community hub type buildings. Maybe you've got um, markets or shops on the bottom and then residential above it, which used to be offices. I think there'll be more people here but it will feel more open, um, more green, and a, you know, a much more pleasurable, safer space to be in. So I think Glasgow of the future will be much like Glasgow of today. Uh, still a warm, friendly and, and wonderful place to be. I think before we end, I just wanted to ask one final question, was how, how Glasgow City Council are looking to tackle the dual issues of a net zero transition, but also a just transition. Is, is this something that you're, you're having to tackle simultaneously? And, and how are you doing it? Yeah, it's an absolute miracle that we've gone this far in the conversation without mentioning the, the Just Transition. So the Just Transition sits core to everything we do. Um, we're working very hard, obviously, on our net zero carbon targets, but we also have targets to be a circular city as well. Um, and all of that is about making sure that we do that in a just way, that we take our citizens with us. Part of that citizens' assembly was trying to make that very clear, that we are not making decisions from top down, but also that we're making those decisions with consideration from the bottom up as well, from the ground up. Um, and it's really important that those people that are the most affected, the most disenfranchised, the most um, hit by climate change are not further disenfranchised by the actions that we take. Um, that those people that have the, the maybe the less option to do stuff get the most support to do those things. So yeah, it's absolutely core to Glasgow City Council that whatever we do has to be just, it has to be inclusive and it has to make sure that no one's left behind and that when we get to 2030, everybody's on board, everybody benefits and everybody gets to enjoy it. And I have to say, for because we are a podcast and no one can see that right behind you is, is the big banner with the sign, People Make Glasgow. And every time I see that, I it, it brings that focus on the social, on the humanity right to the forefront. And it's a, yeah, a, a great banner to be working alongside, I guess. Yeah, it's something that's been commented on time and time again at COP26. So many people have come to the city and they love People Make Glasgow, yeah. but they love it because 
they do. People make Glasgow and you know, you can't find a more friendly city. Um, if you look lost, people will tell you how to get where you're going and it's great. We've had lots of really positive, wonderful comments just at our stand in the Blue Zone um, of how great a time people are having just by visiting the city. So yeah, people do make Glasgow. Can't think of anything better to end on than that. It's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for, for your time today. It's been a, a real pleasure to chat with you and I'm very excited to uh, to work alongside the council and, and really help get this change that we all want to see. Thank you, Gavin. Yeah, and good luck. Enjoy COP. Thank you. <laughs> Produced by Bespoken Media.